No Gray Zone podcast is a frank and honest conversation on topics related to sexual abuse, harassment, child exploitation, and domestic and workplace violence. The opinions are our own, based on years of experience as special victims prosecutors. Any study, book, or product we mention is based on our own review and are not sponsored. Links and titles can be found in the podcast notes. You can also learn more at rightresponseconsulting.com. Listener discretion is advised. I'm just good at caring too much. I'm just good at caring too much. Is it too much to ask that you be all mine? I never was good at sharing. I'm just good at caring too much. Welcome back. I'm Catherine Marsh. And I'm Melissa Hotmeyer, and this is No Gray Zone Podcast. Today, as a part of our May series on safety apps and technology, we are very excited to have Sherry Critical, founder and CEO of the Victim's Voice app. Sherry has taken her 25 years of experience in sales, marketing, and technology, as well as blood, sweat, and tears, and an amazing team, and created Victim's Voice app to help victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, stalking, as well as discrimination and harassment to fight back in court. Sherry, welcome. We are so excited to bring this app to our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. All right, Sherry, we know that Victim's Voice has truly been a labor of love for you and your team. But can you explain to the listeners why you felt the need to found this app? Well, the inspiration actually came from my daughter. When she was 10 years old, she built an anti-bullying mobile app for her science fair project. And uh, with my technology background and my personal experience as a survivor of child abuse, sexual assault, and domestic violence... One of the things that I knew from going through a myriad of different court cases is that oftentimes when a victim or survivor is told to document everything, they collect all this information and then present it only to be told that it isn't admissible in court. And so I am one that has always been focused on making a measurable difference And this was a way that I found that I could do that and actually make a difference that counted. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think is really important that, you know, safety has been the the paramount part of victim's voice Um, when you guys were developing it and and safety and making sure that the documentation is admissible. And so can you tell us our listeners a little bit about why you decided to go with a web-based app as opposed to an app in an app store when you were developing this app to be able to be actually used by people? Right. So in not in every case is a victim in imminent danger. But when you're talking about domestic violence or stalking or harassment, especially when it centers around intimate partner violence, more times than not, they're being monitored and tracked. That means that their devices are being watched, their whereabouts are being watched, and the abuser constantly knows what they're doing, even though they might not necessarily know how they're figuring it out. So it was really important to us to make sure that anything that we did would be uh, untraceable at all by the user. And when you 
download an app from an app store, there's an icon, there's a receipt, even if you don't pay for it. There's the name of the company or the app. There's, there's that image for the icon. There's all these trails where it can alert the abuser that you're actually documenting or doing something where they're going to lose control. And we all know that that moment that they feel like they're losing control is the most dangerous. Absolutely. And with the web-based app, obviously you don't have that trail there. So can they log in just anywhere on any device? Yes. And because we don't store any information on any device, that means that it's you know, invisible. They can log in on a, a workplace computer and they're still not violating any workplace computer usage policy because we're not storing any information locally. Everything gets encrypted and stored on our own private servers. All right. So you said that the data is invisible, but you also said through your own personal experience that you know how important it is to document in such a way that it can be retrieved and actually used in court. So as prosecutors, Melissa and I know that there's a diff, huge difference actually between documenting abuse in the notes on your phone and being able to admit that evidence. So what does Victim's Voice do to ensure that the documentation that people are uploading, however they choose to safely through this web-based app, can actually be admitted in court? And what standard do you use? So there's a few things. Number one, when you're documenting anything, a lot of people think that a police report is evidence. And the police report itself is not evidence. It's hearsay. It's something that was written down by someone. It's the testimony of the person who wrote it that actually becomes that expert testimony and is admissible in a court of law. So it was really important to us to make sure that whatever they documented was documented in such a way that the information was relevant, first of all, was done in a legally obtained way, and that it was done as close to the incident and we could, we could document that as well. So we geolocate date and timestamp every entry that goes into the questions. And these are questions that are presented to them. They're not guiding questions or leading questions, but guiding questions. They guide them through the process of making sure that they're collecting the right information and that it's collected and stored in the right way so that when it is presented, it can be presented as evidence. They still have to testify in most cases, but having that report in their own words done you know, as close to the moment as possible gives you that uh, excited utterance. It also, with them testifying and having their own words, it makes it much more difficult for the defense attorney to trip them up and try to tear down their credibility. We're also asking questions we call peripheral evidence, and that is that in, in many states, uh, having children in the home, whether or not they actually witness it, can be considered child endangerment. Abusing a dog, all 50 states have animal cruelty laws on the books. And so if an animal is used for intimidation purposes or the animal is harmed or murdered, those additional charges can be brought up. Strangulation, most people, when you refer to strangulation, they refer to it as choking. 
Choking is something lodged in your throat, like food. Strangulation is where, you know, somebody puts their hands around your neck or compresses your chest or, or cuts off your airflow and blood flow. So those differences that the user, the victim or survivor might not know uh, can mean all the difference in the world. I hear all the time, well, just turn your phone on and, and hide your phone and record them. Well, our company's based in New Jersey. We're a one-party consent state where as long as I'm part of the conversation, it's legal to record. In Pennsylvania next door, it's a felony offense. So a victim who records an abuser will ultimately, if they try to turn that in, can go to jail and be fined for trying to prove their victimization. So it's really important that we not try to make them understand all the laws, but help them through the process in a way that we protect them from doing something that might be illegal or misconstrued as presenting evidence and go through all that effort when it's for naught. What really struck out um, stuck out to me, what you just said, is that you guys are not trying to teach your survi- teach the survivors what the law is, but it is very clear that you guys are very clear on what the law is. And, and that is why this app is so important because you can use the information that's stored in it where, you know, a lot of people may not understand what hearsay actually means, or, you know, you said um, excited utterance. Those are really legal technical terms. Um, and although the survivor doesn't understand why that means it can or can't come in, you guys do. Is that something that was, you know, really purposeful when you were creating this app? I can't even tell you how many journals I kept and how diligent on notes that I kept thinking that I was doing all the right things. And I went through a a hearing in Pennsylvania. And when I said to my attorney, well, should I record it? My attorney said, please don't record anything. You know, don't even mention that. (laughs) So, Yes, from the onset, it was really important to take all those steps and think through all the places that could go wrong and be preemptive in making sure that we were doing it right so that when they used our technology, that they were protected, whether they knew it or not. And can you share a little bit about how um, the sharing of the information that the survivor puts in that's uploaded, how does that work in practice? So what happens to that when it goes into the cloud? So another thing where we kind of protect them from themselves, if you will, is that the information goes in in a one-way door. So they put it in and they don't have access to it. There are technologies out there where people can edit the information and it logs when it's been edited. But then there's another very legal term called chain of custody. And that means that once the information has been touched at all, you've lost that chain of ownership. You cannot prove that the information is what it was when it originally went in. So that information goes in a one-way door and through each question is encrypted and stored in our private servers. The um, user, when they create an account, unfortunately, not every victim makes it out the other side. And so we wanted to make sure that even in death or medical incapacitation, where they're no longer able to speak for themselves, that their voice and their evidence would be able to be heard. So they can assign what we call a journal designee. And that's a trusted individual 
that when they when the user goes in and assigns that journal designee, they have to designate an individual, one person. Um, that person then receives an email and they have to electronically sign a durable power of attorney accepting that responsibility. Then should the user become deceased or medically incapacitated, obviously the journal designee being a friend is gonna know something happened to them. And in that case, then they can either provide a uh, death certificate or medical release. And once that happens, then they have the ability to assign a records recipient, meaning that a copy of that report and all of the attached files then uh, can be submitted to a legal entity. At no time does the journal designee ever have the ability to access the user's account because again, then we would potentially lose chain of ownership. So that's really important that, that the accounts are linked, but they don't have crossover where they can get into each other's accounts. The last thing we want is for a victim or survivor to spend this time and documenting everything and then be told, thank you so much, we can't use it. And so victim's voice obviously provides them a way that can be used. Yes, and we certify that uh, chain of custody also to the courts. And oftentimes, too, people think, well, I'm saving it up to the cloud, meaning their iCloud account or their Google Docs account, but they won't be able to have that certification. And if when the defense goes into discovery, they can actually have all of that thrown out if you can't prove chain of custody of the data. And one of the things that Melissa and I know from firsthand experience in prosecuting intimate partner violence and sexual assault cases is that stalking is often a part of these cases. But one of the hardest elements to actually prove in the court of law, some because the laws in many states on stalking are poorly written, and some because it's difficult to show that continuing course of action that's necessary for a stalking element. But we love that Victim's Voice actually provides ways to build a stalking case for the victim and the survivor. Can you explain just some of the ways that Victim's Voice can be used in stalking cases to help the survivors and to also give them a little bit of peace of mind? Yeah, so a lot of the, the district attorneys have told us that one of the reasons why stalking is very difficult to prove is because it happens over multiple municipalities and you've got a lot of disparaged information that when you look at it singularly doesn't add up to anything. But when you pull it all together in one space, then it really does tell that important story of what's going on. So being able to track, you know, if somebody's sitting outside your house or you're getting repeated phone calls by repeated different numbers and they're, you know, always happening at the same time or you're traveling somewhere and you feel like you're being watched or followed, being able to document all that information with that geolocation date and timestamp then if the other person, they can also pin them in those locations because of your geolocation and date timestamps is very valuable. Having the images uploaded as well with all that metadata is a very powerful tool as well. Yeah, it's almost like they're acting as their own little detectives to be able to give all of this information to the detectives that are working on their case. And you're right about stalking cases, you know, where 
prosecutors in Maryland and we have the District of Columbia, Virginia, as well as other municipalities all around us. And that is what makes stalking cases so difficult to prove. And so if our victims or survivors who are listening want to access or use your app, how do they go about doing that? They can visit it on the web at victimsvoice.app. And from there, they'll be prompted. It is a paid app. Not every victim or survivor, you know, it's, it's less than $40 a year. So for a lot of people, you know, that's not a problem. For victims of domestic violence, $40 may as well be $4 million. So we've created a partner program and we partner with uh, victim and survivor serving entities that provide this card at no cost. Um, We also, I personally know that as a survivor, you want to give back. You want to do something to help those that are where you were, help them get to where you are. And working in a call center uh, or a nonprofit is not always what you're emotionally able to do, myself included. I, you know, that's, that's not the work that I would be effective, but being able to prepay a license for someone and know that you're helping them. So we have a gifting program where people can actually prepay the licenses. And then anyone that reaches out to us, we provide that license for them because we have those donated licenses. I absolutely love the idea that anyone could pre-purchase this license for somebody because we know that in intimate partner violence cases, especially a tool like this can be life-saving. We know statistically that the average intimate partner violence survivor, it takes seven times before they actually leave or feel that they can begin that safety plan to leave. And so being able to have this app provided to them, being able to start that documentation really does help somebody in a bad situation leave. And so we love everything about this app and we know that it truly helps survivors and victims. But as much as it helps to talk about it and to share the information, we know that what can really make a difference for a listener is hearing about actual success stories. So can you tell us about a success story or two? Sure. So while we, you know, like I said, all of our users are encrypted immediately. So you could be a user on our app and we would have no idea, but we have gotten a couple of phone calls from attorneys and the survivors to call us and let us know that they were able to use our report as evidence in their court hearings. There were, there was one in Oregon, a mother that had children and the uh, domestic violence case involved the children as well. And when we got the phone call, she was in tears. She sent us a text message saying, please feel free to use this, you know, if you want. We, we don't, uh, only because we, protecting that anonymity, protecting that privacy is of the utmost for us. So it was more important to us just to know that this is happening than to use it as some kind of marketing tool. But it does feel good. It feels good when I'm in the grocery store and someone calls me through Facebook Messenger, they find me and and say, I'm in desperate need and I found out about your app. How can I get get a license? And I always carry licenses on me. And, um, you know, thanks to the donors, I'm able to just, how is it safe for me to get in touch with you? give you the onboarding 
information and be able to provide that license. That's why I do it every day. When Catherine and I, we talk about, you know, when we're able to help a survivor, not necessarily, you know, jail time or anything, just helping survivors, you know, get out of a bad situation, whether that's getting them housing and moving them out, or whether that means letting them have their say in court. It is so impactful. And when you hear it, you kind of, that's like you said, that's why you do it every single day. And we know that Victim's Voice is expanding with the use of expert partners in the field of gender-based crime. So can you talk uh, to our listeners a little bit about some of the projects that Victim's Voice is working on? So we have a, a few that we're rolling out, actually. We were just we just partnered with Evawi and Violence Against Women International. I know Joanne was one of your guests. And she mentioned that they had received an American Bar Endowment Grant. Um, we are the subrecipients, so we're the technology behind that. And we will be providing a self-guided information-based platform that will walk survivors of sexual assault through what are their options, what, what can be their next steps. And then if they choose to fill out a, an initial report, that report they can en- either send to themselves And then in which case their information will be completely wiped from our database. We won't house any of that information. Or if they want to fill it out, but need more time to decide what to do with it, they can create a victim's voice account and we will make sure that that report gets into our platform in an encrypted manner. So when they're ready, they can send it out. We've recently created an EAP type solution and are piloting that solution with several companies that are uploading all of their employee email addresses for authentication purposes and then offering this tool for free. The employer will not know which one of their employees is using the app. They'll just know that they have X percentage of people that have activated it, which gives them a little more insight into well, you have a large percentage of your work staff that is dealing with some pretty traumatic issues and training is probably a good next step for you and making sure that security protocols are in place as well. And lastly, we've created a white label because while we understand the laws and a lot of the cultures here in the US, going overseas is an enormous venture. And so what we've decided to do is leave the cultural and legal aspects to organizations overseas, but we support their back-end technology and all of the data storage and data handling compliance on our end, so they don't have to worry about that. We customize the front end for their use, and we fully support the back-end with our technology. A lot of stuff, and we're going to have to have you guys back on when you're done building that platform for Evawi, because we love the idea of survivors of sexual assault to be able to take take their reporting into their own hands um, and having them be able to make decisions uh, based on what their timelines are. I don't think that that's something that we have right now. I'd like to also mention that, you know, we are getting ready to roll out a new version. We're in testing now, which is really exciting. And one of the new features is we'll helping to navigate tribal jurisdiction and legal compliance with Native American tribal courts. This is a population of citizens that have largely just been ignored, and they suffer some of the highest rates of domestic violence and intimate partner abuse. 
And although I am not Native American, I find it absolutely just shameful that more is not done to support these citizens. So really excited about that. That is exciting. It's wonderful all the different avenues that Victim's Voice is taking. We know we have to go through quite a bit of training that's different when it comes to tribal issues because there's idiosyncrasies within the law. There's resources that are different. And so being able to have an app that's creating a section specifically for those issues, which will help get the right resources in place, which will help make sure that the evidence is done in the way to address those legal issues will be game changing for our communities. Yeah, our tribal advisor, in fact, has been so committed to our efforts in that in that space that she has left our advisory board and actually joined our team. So we're really excited. Fantastic. We're in search of another advisor in that space. So <laughs> yes, that, that's not a bad way to have that happen. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Well, Sherry, we do want to have you back as you go further with the white label and as you develop the Ivawi app more, but that's all we have time for today. We do want to make sure our listeners know that they can learn more about Victim's Voice by going to the website, victimsvoice.app, that's A-P-P, and on social media, it's at Victim's Voice app. We're going to have all the links in our podcast notes, and we hope our listeners who are able please go on and pre-purchase a license so that a victim and survivor in need can make use of this app. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you again, Sherry. As always, if you like what you hear, please subscribe. You can find us on social media at No Gray Zone RRC on Instagram or Twitter and No Gray Zone on Facebook. There are no excuses when it comes to sexual assault or not having the right response when it comes to safety. I'm just good at caring too much I'm just good at caring too much